So um, several weeks ago, we asked our, our youth at the school here at the church um, after, um, let me just pull, pull this up and see if we can see it up there. All right. Should be coming up now. We asked our young people um, to imagine themselves walking with Jesus, uh, with his disciples one day, as we find in, in that text in John chapter 10. Um, actually, it's another, another part of, uh, of John. Um, and imagine yourself with Jesus and his disciples and lots of people crowding around him. And they all want something. And, and uh, in fact, you do too. You have some questions you want to ask. So we asked them, you know, if, if you had the opportunity of a lifetime to be able to ask Jesus one question that's been pressing on your mind all this time, what would it be? And we want you to please write it down so we can make it be the topic of our sermons over the next six weeks. And, um, and so we did that, and they did what they were uh, requested to do. And all the questions that I got back was overwhelming a lot of good stuff, good material. Uh, they came back with some of the most amazing questions you could ever think of. And I'm like, wow, um, so deep, so profound. And, and I had to pick six of these and, and leave uh, quite a few more of these questions perhaps to answer for another, uh, in another uh, sermon seri series. Maybe another two or three more series can come out, can come out of this, as Lisa was alluding to. So I picked uh, six of these as the basis for this new series, sermon series that we, we're starting today. Today, Ask, Seek, and Knock. Over the course of six weeks, I will be going back to my study um, day after day to craft a sermon and answer to a question that our young people, and I would probably even venture to say, we're all asking. Because as you can see, this first question we're dealing with is a question not just of a child, but it's a question that everyone is asking, I would imagine, and is seeking an answer for. I want to be able to provide uh, for all of us a, a thoroughgoing biblical answer to, to help us get unstuck, help our youth get unstuck, perhaps, in their faith so they can keep growing. I realize I've been a, um, I've had some, some, some times in the past myself where I had been Stuck not, not having the answers to some of the deepest questions, uh, spiritual questions, faith questions in my life. And I would relish the opportunity to be able to help anyone get unstuck so that they can continue with their growth in Jesus Christ. Over the, over the course of six, six weeks, that's what we're going to be doing. Providing an answer, biblical answer, as if Jesus Christ is the one giving you the answer himself, of course through me. And to start off the series, I picked a question that goes to the very heart of our spirituality, of our Christianity, that a young person should ask this question is amazing enough to me. And I'm sure that you probably also have asked this question, you know, time and again in your life. It is a question that many adult believers struggle with all their lives, all our lives. How are we to have a real person-to-person -person conversation with the God who is invisible, with a God we cannot see, and a lot of times we cannot hear. Why can't we hear him at all when we try to? 
Let me give you some reasons here, and, and, and for the rest of our time here, I'm just going to limit my answer to around four, uh, four reasons. And I want to be quick here and, and, and not, you know, um, um, get a little too deep and, and, and lose you along the way. But I want to just bring up four things here as good reasons why we can't seem to hear God even when we are trying to. First thing is this. God's most intimate way of speaking is hard to figure out. Um, as a person, of course, God can talk. And of course, you know, we, we assume that God is a person. We know that God is a person. Why? Because, you know, that's what scripture tells us. And our experience in Jesus Christ tells us Jesus Christ was a person himself. And our Father in heaven is a person, albeit he's not a human person. And as a person, of course, God can talk. And God does talk. It would, be, it would be a fantastic thing if we had a God that could not, cannot talk or does not even want to talk. And if he wants to talk and he can talk, it would make sense that he would want to talk to you and me who love him with all our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. And he addresses us, of course, in many different ways. And we're not going to go into the many ways in which God speaks, like dreams and visions and voices through the Bible, he speaks to us, and, and through extraordinary events, and so on and so forth. But God's most intimate, and most personal, and most warm, or the warmest way of speaking to the, those people that love him, is not through any of this, of these, even if he does speak in all of these. It is not his preferred mode, as it's been born by, you know, the experiences of most, of all of his people throughout the ages. The most intimate, personal, and warm way of speaking to us is not through any of these, but through the one thing that we've, we've called in, in, you know, in the history of, of, of Christianity as the still, small voice. The still, small voice. What is this still, small voice? And why does God prefer this mode? Of speaking to you and me. Well, the, the phrase, still small voice, of course, is taken from Elijah's story. We're familiar with that, sto with that story, most of us, I, I assume. And it's found in 1 Kings, chapter 19, verses 11 through 13. And onwards, we're, we're go only going to read these three verses. And it says, And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there, was, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? The phrase still small voice comes from that. The still small voice is God's address to his people who love him. And it's an address 
directly to our spirit. The still small voice is God's message that comes to us in the form of our own thoughts and our own feelings and our own perceptions about ourselves, about events, and about people around us. And, you know, they're hard to figure out. They're hard to figure out because they are subjective. And this is part of the difficulty here is that, you know, sometimes I think we're a little bit too scared about even finding out what this, uh, you know, um, small, still small voice is because it is so subjective. It's easy to make a mistake. Because, you see, our mental, our psychological, our spiritual state can really get in the way of us hearing this voice coming to us in our own thoughts. In our own feelings and in our own perceptions. This, this still small voice is also often overlooked and it is often dismissed and often despised in favor of the more spectacular experiences that we, that we hear about and read about in scripture. Uh, such as what? Visions, dreams, and all those, and, 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 and all those things. Um, um, audible voices, wouldn't we want that? And we, we assume that because we see a lot of those things in scripture, that that is, in fact, the most normative experience of God's people, when, it, when in fact, it isn't. How many Moses have you seen? Past and present. How many Ellen Whites do we have? So we, we think that visions and dreams and audible voices, burning bush. How many talking donkeys have you run across? Why does God prefer this mode of speaking when it is so subjective and prone to being overlooked? He prefers the still small voice because it is the most human of all communications and it is the most interactive. The, you know, God still small voice. Let me repeat that again because I miss a couple of things there. God prefers the still small voice because it is, the mo- it is the kindest, the deepest, and the most interactive way of communicating between friends. Friends learn from each other by each other's presence a lot more uh, than, you know, what they say to each other. Friends learn from each other's presence. We, we pick up our, our, our friends' thoughts and feelings and their perception of us and of the world and so on. How, 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 how does that happen? By spending time with them, by being in their presence, by picking up on their thoughts and feelings towards each other as they spend time together. And you see, God uses our thoughts and feelings and gives it a special kind of quality that gives it the distinctive, the distinctive feel and sense of his presence and direction to search us out, revealing to us his thoughts, his intentions toward us and towards the, towards the world around us in the kindest and the most unassuming way. So unassuming, in fact, that when we miss it, God still hangs around and, get, and talks to us some more. Years ago when I was uh, rather new at understanding this and I was trying to wrap my mind around this concept of still small voice, I was prone, like m- many of us are, to ignoring my own thoughts 
and my own feelings, thinking that a lot of them are just random thoughts, inconsequential. You know, nothing, nothing is going to be missed. Or, you know, how many thoughts do you have running across, I mean, flying across your mind, you know, in, in, in a second? I don't know if it's been numbered, but if it's, you know, if, 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 if you're talking about me, you know, I, and with the kind of thoughts that I have in mind that I have, I mean, it's, my mind goes everywhere all at once. So years ago when I was rather new at this, I was prone to ignoring my thoughts and uh, my, perception, my own perceptions, thinking that, you know, a lot, most of them I can just forget. Many thoughts fly across my mind at breathless speed and uh, feeling, my feelings rise and fall like the ocean waves. Um, so like most of us, I allowed my, many of these thoughts to fly past me. One day, I, was, I distinctly recall one day, and I... It's one of those things that really has have stayed with me all these years because it was so it was so uh, um, such a, a a clear thought. I distinctly recall re, uh, three names of individuals who were part of my uh, who were members of my church back then, back many years ago, and it flashed across my mind. Okay, the thought that came to me was a very it was very unobtr- unobtrusive. And it just basically was just, you know, just saying in a very, in a very uh, calm way, call such and such and such. But I ignored it, thinking it was a, one of one more of my random thoughts. Inconsequential, insignificant. Nothing will be lost by me not calling that day or the day after that or the day after that. Until I find out probably about a week after that those three individuals that I had had those thoughts about that they had, they, had, they had had some serious stuff happening in their lives right when the thought came to me. Several days I later found out that one had a, a family member get into a car accident and nearly cost his life. The other got really sick. And the other, I can't even remember what was wrong anymore. And suddenly I realized that my thought had not been random. And I called all these three members when I found out what was wrong. But you know what? I felt that I was a little too late. Yes, it helped that I did call. And I, and I felt that they too felt that you know, I was a, a few days too late. They appreciated it and everything. Can you imagine what would have happened had I called when the still small voice came to me, that very moment the still small voice came to me, I would have united my voice with God's voice and communicated to those people that are suffering God's presence to them in their lives right then and there. Can you imagine the impact of that had I listened to the still small voice when it came to me? So be careful. When you hear yourself thinking, because it can be God merging his thoughts with yours. And, but you know, the beautiful thing about this, this mode of speaking, yes, it is subjective and we must exercise caution and we must exercise judgment as good and, you know, uh, um, um, mature or maturing Christians. But... Just because it is subjective does not mean that we shouldn't, you know, get into it. The beautiful thing about this mode of speaking, at least in this one instance for me, is this. That it's always kind and it's always easy. God never came back to me 
to shame me with, with this thought. I told you so. Never came to me. Another reason why we find it hard to hear God is this. All right. Um, let's skip that one. We find it hard to tell apart our own thoughts and perceptions from that of God's. That's just, you know, that's, that's normal. I mean, I still find it hard a lot of times. Um, and you know, our main scripture today uh, uh, comes from the very lips of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he very confidently says, and I want all of our young people to, 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 to hear, hear this, especially you, whoever you are, who asked this question that is now the topic of today's sermon. Listen to how confident Jesus Christ is about how you and me can recognize his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you see that? The difficulty, of course, is that the still small voice comes to us in our own thoughts and as often as our own thoughts. But the truth is that every person has his or her own distinctive voice. And that, and that the best way to tell two persons apart by their voice is by experiencing, by spending time with that person so that you know exactly what that person is like. I've been married for 22 years. And after 22 years, I can spot my wife's voice in a crowded room. I'm sure many of you or all of you married folk here, that you can say the same about your spouse. And so one day, not actually this, this, this past week, something happens to me and, uh, you know, it was mid-afternoon, mid-late afternoon, I was home, I was studying in bed because that's the best place to, to, to study is sitting in bed and I have my, my, you know, my lap desk, you know, in bed and I'm just studying away and I, and I close the door uh, to, to, to my bedroom and, and then suddenly I hear this, the, uh, uh, this voice and I was pretty sure it was Julie and so I got up, um, my normal self being a little bit silly around my wife and I was going, to, I, was, I rushed to the, to the garage and I was going to give her a big hug and a kiss. It was a little bit early, about maybe three, uh, four o'clock, something like that. Maybe, oh, it's, you know, she's come home early in times past, so that's fine. She's home early. And I went and rushed to Julie. Honey, welcome home. And it was Havila. I thought I had her voice. You know, I thought I knew her voice really well. Now I think maybe God is telling me, now your daughter has her own voice. Now you need to spend time with your daughter so you can learn her voice better. And so that's what it's like. I can spot Julie's voice in the crowd. Someday soon, I'll be able to spot Havilah's voice in a crowd. You can spot Jesus' voice in a crowd when you spend enough time with him and you know what he's like. Every person has his or her own distinctive voice. My Havilah does, my Julie does, my Micah does, my God does. And I think the Lord is telling us, if you really want to listen to my voice, you need to spend a lot of time with me so you get to know what kind of person I am so that when I talk to you, you will hear my voice. You will, listen, you will be able to spot out my voice and listen 
and do what I'd like you to do. Those who have had a lot of experience with God's still small voice tell us that there are three distinguishing marks of God's still small voice. If you have a pen in front of you, uh, with you, and a paper, write it down. Because these will guide you. This will help you understand and spot, spot out or spot, um, recognize God's voice when they come to you in your own thoughts, in your own perceptions, in your own feelings. The first is this. First, its weight is steady and calm. That's the first thing. Its weight will always come to you. And this has been, you know, this is um, <clears throat> um, born by, you know, by testimonies upon testimonies of people that have experienced, that are experiencing this, including your, my humble self. Often our, our, our own subconscious voices argue with us. Have you ever had that happen to you? Have you ever watched it? There was a, there was a, a, a film years ago, Me, Myself, and Irene. That was a... Me, myself, and Irene. Or beautiful mind, even. But that's a sick mind to some some degree. And so your subconscious voice often argues. It is often contradictory. It tries to convince you about something maybe. So you're you're just a tug and pull going on in 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 your mind, in your heart. But when God's voice comes to you in your own thoughts and in your own perceptions, it's always, it, it does not argue. It does not convince. It just speaks. And it inclines you to accept and to comply, but it is not a command. It's a weird thing. But it just comes to you. It leaves you totally free to comply or to brush it aside. And you will not be shamed when you brush it aside either. And the purpose for the message is often revealed... um, by the way, the message is given. In other words, it is, um, oh, sorry, sorry, what I'm saying is this. The purpose for the message is often revealed after the message has been given. That is to say that a lot of times it will just speak with no explanation. It will not tell you why it's speaking that way. And if you, or when you hear it and you, and, you know, whatever it is, the message is, and you, and, and you, seek to carry it out, then later on, it's self-authenticating. You will find out why that voice came, came like that. Just like when I heard that, you know, that when I had that uh, uh, still small voice in my head, that says, call such and such and such, such. And I didn't. And so what happened was I missed an excellent opportunity to witness for God. The second thing is this. Its character is always going to be joyful. Always going to be joyful. And the third is this. Its content is always going to be scripture based. What do I mean by that? It will always be in line with the principles. The great principles of scripture in Jesus Christ. In other words the values of the kingdom. It will never contradict it. So if you want to be absolutely sure what voices are coming to you, well, time to study the Bible, your Bible more. Time to open your Bible more and, and read it and, and find out what are the great principles of Scripture that I need to know. Because when God's specific voice communicated to you, to guide you, to inspire you, whatever it is, when it comes to you, it will always come in compliance or in uh, 
Never, never against what you find in scripture. One college student studying for ministry one day was so moved by a sermon, a great sermon that was preached in, in a college, in his college one day that, you know, he, he found it hard to concentrate in his studies and on his studies. And so he, he went to talk to the, uh, to the head of his college and he says, sir, I, I hear a voice that tells me I must go home and speak to the young people at my church. And then he says, he turns to him and says, sir, is that voice the voice of the devil or of the spirit? And the man says, you know, the devil never speaks like that. Go home. I'm giving you a week's break. Go and preach to your church. The third thing is this. Why is it so hard? Well, you, you will find this a little bit awkward when I, with the third, the third point is, um, because we pray too much and wait too little. That is pr- probably one big reason why. We don't, we don't hear uh, the voice of God coming to us in our thoughts. Psalm 130 verses 5 and 6 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. What I'm saying is this, when I say pray, notice I put that, the word uh, pray in, in quotes, What I'm saying is that when we pray, we talk too much. We talk too much. It's another, I mean, of course, we we can always pray more. And I think that it's safe to say that we can all pray more. But when we do pray, we talk too much. Sure, we can, you know, we can all pray more, yes. But how much time do we actually spend in our prayers, listening to God's voice coming to us in our own thoughts, in our own perceptions and feelings. How much time do we actually spend just sitting there and listening to God or waiting for God to say something to us? Someone has said that the person who cannot stop talking is hiding something. When I was, when I was younger, I used to I used to, you know, look up to these, you know, to these great men and women of faith that I read about. Ellen White, uh, Martin Luther. I read somewhere that Martin Luther's daily practice of prayer was that he would pray two hours, two hours, three hours a day. At least. And I'm like, I want to be like him. So I actually started praying, you know, you know praying um, two, three hours a day. And... Hey, listen, you know, I'm not like you. You, go, you guys have your work to go to. I work all day for the Lord, so I get paid. I can, I can pray all day if I wanted to. I, I guess in that sense, I have more time in my hands, right? But, so I, I started doing that, thinking that that would actually, that I would become, you know, uh, someone also as great as these men and women of faith are, uh, Martin Luther and, and, and John, uh, John Wesley and, and all those men of faith and women of faith that I, that I love, adore. Um, so I, tr- I started treating my prayers as an exercise of willpower. I'm not talking, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking to a uh, a person, I want, to, I want to sit back and 
observe, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that talks a lot, and I find it very, very hard to, you know, to spend two, three hours praying and talking the whole time. It was very hard for me to do. It's still very hard for me to do. And so can you imagine, can you imagine I failed a lot trying to pray like that? But you know, man, I, I, if I, want, I, I wanted to be like Martin Luther and John Wesley and all these guys, I started praying and, and talked God's ears off. And you know what? It was getting to be a burden after a while, praying like that. Because I talked the entire time. And slowly I realized that prayer means that God gets to talk too. And I get to listen to him. To my own thoughts. To God coming through and into my thoughts and perceptions and feelings. Waiting for God to enter my thought world. To explain to him, you know, what he's thinking. To me, what he's thinking and what he's doing. So he can invite me to go with him. And do what he does. And become, and, and, and. And then prayer then, as I discovered more and more that prayer is really a lot more about listening to God, then my conversations with God in prayer became a lot easier. A lot more freeing. I have discovered that the best way to teach myself to listen to God's voice, still small voice, coming to me, is to read the scripture aloud to myself. When I'm driving... I found this on the web for the scripture allowed to myself. Check it out. That's not God talking to me. That's Siri. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it is God. I want to know. Because I don't know. I didn't touch anything. What did it say? (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah, so I was saying that you know, the, the, the best way that I've discovered to really teach myself to listen to God's voice is to read scripture aloud to myself and to do it slowly and to take my time. Yesterday or two days ago on Thursday, it took me an hour and a half and it was such a blissful time because I could actually palpably sense the presence of God with me. As I allowed his, 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 his own scripture, his Bible, allow his words coming through the scripture to my spirit. When I'm driving or exercising or cooking, what I would do is I would turn on my audio Bible, slow it down to about 0.5 or 0.7 of normal speed. Yeah, and it, it, it gets a little weird sometimes when somebody's talking like this. But it's my way, you know, because if, if I don't have, I'm a very visual learner. And so if I don't have the words in front of me and, and I'm not reading it for myself and I'm only listening, it's harder for me to catch every word. And so I slow it down. I slow it down to about 0.7. I go 0.5 sometimes if, you know, if, if it's not too weird to listen to some he talked like that. God is talking to me through his word, but, you know, but, but I, do, I do it this way. What I do a lot of times is this, and I'm going to sh- sh- give, uh, take, give you a little uh, uh, sampling here of what I do. 
So I, a lot of times what I do too is that rather than turning on my, uh, my audio Bible and slowing it down and uh, allowing God to speak to me through his word uh, and, and, and start a conversation in that way with, with, with God, is that what I, what I would do is I would also sometimes pick those scriptures that I have already memorized and I, and I know like the back of my hand. Things like Psalm 1611, 1 John 1, 5, Galatians 5, verse 22. But what I do to make it even uh, more personal to me, to teach myself to, to learn to listen to that voice coming to my thoughts, is that I would change the pronouns on those scriptures. Here are several of them. And I would say it to myself, and, and I would imagine myself being talked to by God. I make known to you the path of life. In my presence, there is fullness of joy. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore. 1 John 1, 5, this is the message you have heard from me. And proclaim to you that I am light and in me is no darkness at all. See how beautiful it is? Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of my spirit's presence in you is love, joy, peace, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness. The last reason I have for all of us here today, the fourth and last one is this. Is this. We find it hard often to listen to God's voice because we are too distracted and too scared to listen. We're desperately, we desperately need to slow down. And we desperately need to get unplugged. Desperately. I am just as guilty as anyone. Sometimes I think my two thumbs are demon possessed. Doing all the things that I don't want to do in the middle of the night. We are crowding out God's voice. By filling our lives with many inconsequential rival voices. Why do we do it? And it's not as though what we fill our lives are all bad. A lot of what we fill our lives are good. But as with everything, too much of the good stuff can also be harmful to all of us. I make a plea to all of you, to all of us. Let us slow our lives down somehow. Find some way with it. Each of you in your family. I know we live in a very, you know, we live in the fast lane. It's just the nature of the modern life, it seems like. But we need to find time so that we can make room. When we can make room, we will be able to listen to God as he comes to our thoughts and to our perceptions. So I plead, I plead with our parents, I plead with everyone 
with our families, even with our school. I must say this, and I say this with, with all the love that I can muster to all of you, because we love our school. We love our teachers, our faculty and staff. staff. But our children often come from our schools and they've got nothing left for church. And they have hardly any time to be alone with their own thoughts, much less with the thoughts of God coming to them. We're too distracted, but sometimes also we're too fearful because, you know, when you get too close, things can happen and you don't expect it and you get scared. That's what happened to me. I'll tell you a story. Years ago in San Diego, before this was BC, before children, um, before the kids came along, Julie and I had been married for two, three years. And I was doing uh, some serious fasting and praying in those days. Still, you know, all this concept of spiritual, spiritual uh, you know, the, spiritu- uh, the disciplines of the spiritual life and all that was still fresh to me. And I was doing a lot of praying, a lot of fasting. And I was into the fourth day of my fasting, the farthest I'd ever gone. And, you know, when you go that far, the first two, three days, your body is fighting with hunger pangs. Mm. You get grumpy and everything. And, uh, and after that, your, your body starts to coast. And you, you overcome those initial pang, hunger pangs. And you, then, then what happens is that um, uh, you start to make room for God. You're, you're clearing all those stuff in your body and your mind and everything. And then uh, by the fourth day, my mind was very clear. Very, very clear. My thoughts were crystal clear. And uh, so I was planning on breaking my fast on the fourth day. Uh, but I wanted to pray one last time. I had been urge, earnestly praying for this one request. And I had been praying for an answer and I haven't got an answer. So, so I went at it one last time before breaking my fast. I went, up to, I went upstairs. Julia was at work. I was alone with our pet. And then silently and calmly, the st- you know, and a steady thought enters my mind. A steady and calm voice and thought enters my mind. It was, it was a cross between a thought and a voice, but there was nobody there. Nobody was speaking to me, but it was a voice spoken to my, to my mind. It was so crystal clear. It was not commanding. It was not yelling. It was peaceful, and it just gave me the answer to my prayer in a declarative sentence, very short. And it addressed my specific prayer request. I never thought that my prayer request would be answered in that way. I always thought, you know, I would just figure out that it would be answered through the circumstances. I'd find out that it's been answered over there or that, you know, circumstances are such that it's it's been answered and so on and so forth. I never thought it would come to me in a still small voice. And it did. And it spooked me. And I said to myself, and forgive me, Lord, that's... I've said this to you so many times. Forgive me. It spooked me. You spoke to me like that. It scared me. And I said, I don't want to hear that voice again. It's too scary. And I never fasted more than two days ever since. I reduced my fasting time to avoid hearing this voice because it's too spooky. 
be careful. In a sense that, you know, when, when you do start hearing God coming through your own thoughts, he, he will surprise you in many ways. Be careful that you don't get scared and get spooked, is what I'm trying to say. And so you keep going. Can you imagine, if that's been 20 years ago, all the time that I had lost, all the conversation that I had missed with God because I got too scared. And now I'm asking God, forgive me. Can we start over? This time, you know, I'm 20 years older. With your grace, I should be able to handle it. At the end of the day, the goal of hearing God is to be in his presence and to be guided by him and to be, to be sure that he loves you just as you love him. So that when he stops talking and he, you know, just like I said to you that, you know, uh, when you pray, you need to stop talking. Well, God is the same way too. He's not always talking. He will be quiet sometimes. So when he stops talking and you are left to your own thoughts and perceptions and feelings, you can be confidently sure that you can be alone in your thoughts and also still be within the will of God because you will know exactly what God is thinking and how God would act because you know him and you're accustomed to thinking like him and not just to think about him, but to think with him. And that is the goal of the Christian life, to be able to think with God so that your minds are joined together as one. Years ago, and this is my last anecdote to you, I was watching a video about Bob, uh, with Bob Hope in it. I love Bob Hope. He's funny, super funny guy. He doesn't even try. He's just funny. You just look at him and he's funny. Um, and he's being interviewed, and he was already old uh, by this time, and, you know, and, and so the conversation uh, gravitated towards you know, the end-of-life stuff. He's old. He's getting ready to die. He knows he's going to die soon. And then he says, you know, my wife asked me the other day, he says, what I want done at my funeral service and where I would like to be buried. And I answered to her, he said, honey, surprise me. <laughs> honey, surprise me. I cannot think of a better way to explain to you what it means to think with God. Honey, surprise me. Our thoughts have been merged for so long You'll know what to do when I decide not to say anything. I feel like that a lot of times with my wife. I sure hope she feels like that with me. To be able to think, and modern science calls it today, mutual mind. Relational neuroscience, mutual mind. That's what it means to think with and not think about God. Surprise me. When God is quiet and you cannot hear his voice, he's telling you, oh, you know my mind. I don't need to say anything. Do what you need to do. Surprise me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord speak to you in your thoughts. 
in your perceptions of yourself, in your perceptions of others and of the world. And may you take the time to listen to his voice because he loves you and is always with you. Amen.